Welcome to Authentic Living with Roxanne, a place where we have conscious conversations about things that really matter in our lives. And now, here's your host, Roxanne Derhage. It's Al Roxanne Durhodge. Thanks for tuning in again this week with Authentic Living with Roxanne. Uh, today I have a special guest, Laura Stack. And Laura um, is a keynote speaker and has been doing this kind of work for quite a while. She talked about productivity in the past, um, but now she has a new mission and it's based on, unfortunately, of a bit of an adversity in losing her son um, uh, to basically marijuana. Um, and she has a nonprofit called Johnny's ambassadors. So, Laura, thanks so much for being on today to spend your time and share um, wisdom wisdom that needs to get out there, but unfortunately, based on adversity. Thanks, Roxanne. Yes, Johnny was um, a wonderful young man, excelled in school, had a 4.0 GPA, very involved in activities, uh, loved Jesus, were a Christian family, volunteered at church, taught. Sunday school with me, four-year-olds for many years, and sadly uh, found marijuana, which we live in Colorado, which was the number one state to legalize recreational marijuana here in the States. And uh, he went to a party and his uh, friend's brother is older, 18. And here in Colorado, you can get a medical marijuana card at 18. And he had one and had marijuana and shared it. Uh, with the boys at that party. And he came home and told me that he had used it. Uh, and that began a struggle for the next five years. He uh, just instantly took to it, um, became addicted to it. And uh, sadly, at the age of 19, he died by suicide. He became delusional and had a lot of psychotic thinking as a result of the very strong uh, dabs, which we can talk about here in Colorado. And he thought the mob was after him and had a lot of paranoid thoughts. And sadly, he ended his life. Well, let's talk about uh, dabbing, because I'm, I'm going to assume that the average person may not know the terminology, but I think it'll be better to come from you. So explain what that is and sure. uh, the impact. And I think what's important is I want people to understand, um, you know, with the prefrontal cortex, which is the you know, the primary part of the brain that us as adults have formerly developed uh, with teenagers that's still developing. And that's, you know, the importance of hearing Laura's story about the dabbing. I really want you to hear that. And uh, then we'll talk a little bit more about that. So share what it is, Laura. Yes, excellent. And thanks for that introduction, because that's really critical. A lot of parents think, you know, gosh, I used marijuana when I was a kid. I'm fine. Uh, it's, you know, what's the big deal? It's legal, right? So there's a couple really big issues that are very different. Uh, one is just the potency of the marijuana. Um, and second is what marijuana does in the adolescent mind. So we'll talk both about those. So dabs um, is, is no longer a plant. So this is the new marijuana. So the first thing we want parents to understand is that we're not talking about the same products that you used. Um, you know, 
I used marijuana a couple times in high school. I didn't particularly like it. So didn't use it after that. But I remember I'm getting, you know, and it was grass and you put it in a paper and you rolled it up and right. And you smoked it like this, like a joint. Um, today, they take the plant and um, they run a solvent through the plant, usually butane or ethanol or propane. And it breaks off the trichomes of the plant on the bud where the THC, tetrahydrocannabinol, which is the psychoactive part of the plant, is contained. And the THC comes away from the plant into a tray with the solvent and you throw the plant away. Okay, so that's the first thing people need to understand. There is no more natural part of this that's being used. It is now a chemical game. Chemists are the ones who created these dabs. Um, So then with the THC and solvent mixture, you kind of filter it and try to get most of the solvent out and you extract it and use um, distillation processes, much like you would do with vodka, right? Where you say it's five times distilled, right? Basically taking a concentrated solution that maybe is 80% THC, distilling it makes it more pure. So they're trying to get the solvent out. They don't get it all out. What you get is like a brownish oily kind of sticky mass that looks like earwax or beeswax. And they, they turn them into products that have different uh, formulations, consistencies, textures, tastes, and they name them by what they look like. Um, so dabs are the general name of using a concentrate, right? Cause you just, it just takes a dab. So instead of like 2% THC in the old Woodstock kind of weed, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, these can be 80, 90, up to 99.9% pure raw THC. So Roxanne, it's like taking cocaine and turning it into crack. So that's probably a pretty good analogy. So there are waxes and shatters and butters and live rosin and distillates that are oils that can be put into vapes uh, and other products that are put into edibles. So these dabs, these concentrates, first of all, that's what we need to know as parents. Look at the new marijuana. Just go on and Google marijuana dabs and look at the products. So smoking is going way down in Colorado. Dabbing is going way up. So you get a red hot torch uh, called a dab rig. You get a a blow torch. You heat up a nail till it's about red hot, little under red hot. You take a dab of this stuff and you tap it to that and it sizzles the concentrate and the teens then inhale the vapors. So it's completely chemical highly potent, very addicting. So these are like narcotics. You have to think of them in a very different category. Mm-hmm. So that's the first part about what dabs are. So, and, and the importance is here, like when you said, it's just the potency and the time that it would take around to get around the blood brain barrier, right? So again, because yes. you are inhaling it. And so much, packed, so right, fast, right, so exactly, hot. Exactly. Yes, and, and so it just takes, you know, instead of smoking a whole joint that might be 18 milligrams of um, THC, one dab, just one dab can be a hundred. So it's very potent, very fast. So it's many, 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 many times more potent than a whole bunch of joints together as if you smoke them all at one time. Yes. 
I th- so let's talk a little bit about him. Like, what was he like? Like you said, you know, he seemed to like really be connected. Um, there, had there been any kind of mental health with him at all? Johnny had no mental health issues. We have no psychosis in our family. Uh, he was a perfectly normal child. He was not depressed. In Colorado, they just want to get high. Um, it's kind of a rite of passage where at 18, um, you go tell we have our pot shop docs, we call them. Um, you make up a malady like a migraine or a backache, uh, and they give you your medical marijuana card for several hundred dollars. And it is basically a criminal um, kind of activity. So basically, just like in um, the pill mills and the opioid crisis, where the doctors were writing prescriptions for things that, you know, children don't have chronic debilitating conditions, um, you know, at 18 years old. Now, some children do, and and that's, you know, seizures and severe autism. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about the other end of the spectrum where kids are just using it um, illegally, underage, recreationally to get high by saying they have a medical condition. Uh, and And it's a scam, basically. The pot shop docs make a lot of money off these kids. And then they legally can go into the dispensary at 18 and buy the shatters and waxes and dabs. They take them back to our high schools and and middle schools and they sell them. So that is where the drug industry comes from. Here is other teens selling to other teens. Um, And these very potent products are uh, of course dose dependent. And when they're weaker, we didn't see the kind of addiction and cannabis use disorder and psychosis. And they cause um, the, the changes in the brain structure, as you mentioned, in our brains, our uh, endocannabinoid systems, which is highly regulated, uh, have uh, what are called CB1 uh, receptors, cannabinoid 1 receptors. And the THC molecule looks shockingly similar to our natural endocannabinoid called anandamide. And so the THC molecule can actually fit into the CB1 receptor where anandamide usually clicks in. That's like when you get the runner's high when you're running, um, where you have joy, it regulates all sorts of body processes and um, pain. And there's all sorts of different functions in the endocannabinoid system. But when the THC clicks in, it blocks, it binds to that receptor and prevents your natural um, chemicals from regulating it the way that it's supposed to. Um, so it, when that system is arrested by the THC, the natural brain formation that is supposed to be occurring that has already happened in adults Mm-hmm. is halted, is stopped, and is not um, able to carry forward. So you mentioned the prefrontal cortex. There have been MRI studies of adolescents who have used marijuana from the age of 14 to 19. And depending on how many times they use, the more they use, the thinner the cortices are in the prefrontal cortex. You actually lose brain volume. And so there's CB1 receptors everywhere. They're in the amygdala. Uh, which normally regulates emotion. So when THC binds to the receptors there, sometimes it's experienced as paranoia, uh, panic, fear, some of the THC uh, outcomes. And if you continue to do that, the psychosis then, you can have a what's called cannabis-induced psychosis, CIP. And our kids are in the emergency room every day. Um, we have a scientific advisory board who talks to us about what they see in the emergency room every day with children coming in with acute uh, psychotic episodes. And 
uh, cannabis must be ceased at that time. But sadly, it's so addicting. Um, Johnny went back to it uh, even after his brain had healed and he'd recovered. He went back to it again and then he would recover and go back to it again. And then eventually it turns into more of a schizoaffective disorder, more of a schizophrenia type spectrum Mm -hmm. that's brought on by the cannabis rather than genetics. And uh, he was tested. We don't have, you know, genetics for schizophrenia in our family. Um, But he did start to become, as he got older, when he was a senior in high school, defiant, um, lacked motivation, wasn't doing schoolwork. And, and this is a kid that got a perfect 800 out of 800 on the math portion of his SAT. Like he was actually a genius in math, had a scholarship. Um, all that went down the tubes because of his marijuana use. So with people listening, like parents, right? And you've been there, like I've been on the treating end um, and, you know, really kind of talking about what the, the team can do and what the parents can do. So you've been yeah. on the parent end. Yeah. If, if you could, parents are listening and they say, you know, it's a teenager, you know, what can I do? You know how teens are, right? They're individuating, they're, they've got all these pressures compared to say, maybe when we were kids, we, there was pressures, but not at the level that they are today. What kind of guidance would you give the parents that are listening, Laura? Well, I would say, first of all, that uh, parents are more influential than anyone in a child's life. We think they're not listening, uh, but they are. And we need to begin to talk to them if you have not directly had a conversation uh, with your teen. Um, So that's the first thing is understand how influential you are. Secondly, you have to know that you must specifically say they are not to use marijuana. You do not agree with it and you do not allow it. Um, Studies have shown that when parents are kind of like, eh, you know, kind of laissez-faire about it, that teens are much more likely to use than if the teen has a parent who strongly disapproves of their use. So you do have to come out with very strong disapproval. Any statement or a non-statement or approval will raise the odds that a child will use. We know that if a mom is using marijuana, uh, 80% of the time the child will use. If a father is actively using marijuana, 90% of the time the child will use. So third is obviously don't use it yourself be a role model, be a parent, don't be a buddy. You're not their friend. This is not helping them. It's harming them. There is no safe level of THC in the youth brain. And that's what parents have to understand. Next, realize it is a false narrative in the industry that there is anything helpful about these high THC products. There is no scientific study that shows any medical benefit whatsoever of these dabs. Um, The products that are used medically are very, very low doses of THC and they are never smoked or inhaled. Um, So we have to be really careful about what messages that we're sending our children and especially thinking that it will help your child. And last of all, never provide your child Uh, with any marijuana, thinking that it will help their stress or it will help their anxiety. It actually triggers mental illness. Depression makes anxiety worse, causes a motivational syndrome, lowers IQ, lowers fertility, lowers life outcomes, all sorts of results that you don't want, including a five-fold increase in psychosis and a seven-fold increase in suicide, sadly. The number one cause of death here in Colorado is suicide. 
15 to 19, half of our children who die by suicide had THC in their toxicology. And it only continues to get worse as these products are becoming more and more well-known and commercialized. Now, John, did Johnny ever get any kind of treatment? Did he go to oh, any yes. kind of treatment? Oh, my goodness. Inpatients? Uh, oh, patients. doctor, yes. Treatments, mental hospitals, three different stays, you know, intensive outpatient treatments, psychiatrists, therapists, medicines. I mean, you name it. Even TMS, transcraniomagnetic stimulation. I mean, we tried everything. And he you know, really seemed to want to get help, but he could not resist the lure of the marijuana when I was not chained to him 24 seven, he would attempt to go back to school, three different universities, um, each time, unfortunately, would go back to the marijuana. Mm -hmm. So I think the lack of education, that's a thing, right? Because here in Canada, um, you know, that's what's happened, it's legalized. And, you know, now you're hearing everybody purporting the it's good for anxiety, it's good for depression, we're not talking about the impact on, on the, uh, you know, the developing brain of, of adolescence. Yeah. And that's, so you're saying in the emergency rooms in Colorado, um, what is the percentage or like, what's the rate that um, emergency room physicians are seeing teens coming very high? Well, we just had uh, just yesterday, an event, uh, Stop Dabbing Walk here in, in the States. Uh, with 27 teams and 130 participants all over the U.S. And we had a, a Dr. Karen Randall, an emergency room physician here speaking. And she said cannabis use disorder is the number one problem that she sees in the emergency room every day. Um, teens come in uh, presenting with extreme vomiting called cannabinoid hyperemesis syndrome, CHS. People don't know uh, because there are CB2 receptors that are the immune system in the gut, um, that high potency amounts of marijuana actually cause the opposite problem. Instead of helping nausea, it makes it much, much worse. Um, we see the uh, paranoid acute psychotic episodes where children have to be sedated uh, with extreme amounts of sedation just to get them to calm down. Um, hallucinating, saying things that aren't true, saying they're married or so-and-so is a, a shapeshifter, just all kinds of strange uh, psychosis behaviors. And and it's because of an overdose of the too potent, too much. Um, and edibles are a huge problem because it doesn't hit right away. Uh, and so there are uh, intoxications that happen and sadly poisonings uh, when people, youth get a hold of these products that you can, you know, you can have a whole, a candy bar just with a thousand milligrams of THC just in one and they eat the whole thing. Um, and now are having acute paranoia uh, that people are listening to them. You know, it's a, it's a very, it has features that are very well known <laughs> by our, our emergency room docs here in Colorado, sadly. And we just have to continue, like you said, to educate and to push back against the false narrative and, and continue to educate parents and teens about the dangers of today's high THC marijuana products, particularly as it relates to adolescent brain development and mental illness and suicide. I mean, we, we are not prohibitionists. We're not trying to take it back and make it illegal or put people in jail. We are just really working to get the word out about children and youth harms uh, who use it and to encourage people to get the truth and understand the science. So you talked a little bit about early, discuss it, have a, you know, a zero tolerance, um, talk about it openly. And I often say as a system, family systems therapist, that's the important thing. Yeah. So for parents that are like, 
well, you know, we're going through things I went through. It might be vague about that. But what you're saying is be very definite. If you think um, that something is going on, and I mean, every teen goes through that because they're trying to become adults and they're, they're, they're dealing with a lot of different pressures. It's even more uh, difficult with all the pressures with the pandemic, not just on teens, but just on families in general. So to once you think something's going on, talk to your teen openly. Well, you should be talking to your teen openly about this from the time they're eight years old, um, 10 years old, 12 years old. By the time they get to middle school, it's too late. Uh, One in 10 of our middle schoolers here in Colorado is addicted to marijuana. Um, Half of the teens uh, in high school, the seniors are using or have used. Uh, It's too late when they're 12 years old to suddenly start talking about this. We need to talk about it, you know, very young and very early and very often. Now, if it's too late and your teen's already using uh, and they're in high school, you have to you must immediately intervene. Um, And if they're under 18, um, you know, to take control and get treatment for that child, they don't have a choice about it. (laughs) They don't have privacy. Um, and then, you know, sadly, once they're over 18, which is what happened to Johnny, he withdrew his consents for us to be able to help him. We couldn't even talk to his psychiatrist or um, to the universities. And it was very difficult. So take definitive, definite action uh, before your child is uh, an adult. And, you know, the treatment is required, whether you have to send them away and put them into a dual diagnosis center for cannabis induced Uh, psychosis for recurring mental illness for the addiction Uh, you have to do what you have to do drug test them Um, go to family therapy make sure that they are in secession programs and group therapy there are 12-step programs uh, just like alcoholics anonymous there's marijuana anonymous you know and so take control as a parent and and get help for your child inspections there's a lot of ways that drugs can be hidden Uh, you have to become very knowledgeable uh, and and get involved now. It's there is no time to waste. These products can take your child from you. And you know the interesting thing is generally about fifteen to twenty percent. The data they talk about addiction being from something that's happened that's traumatic or or maybe psychiatric that would end up in an addiction. But what you're saying is what they're seeing with this level of THC. I'm, I would be interested in knowing about it's the, the other way around. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's not. You know, it used to be kind of the chicken egg. Oh, the kids. Um, having mental health issues or they would have gotten psychosis anyway, or they're depressed. Right. And so they start using in Colorado, it's totally the opposite end of the spectrum. What we see here are children who it's, it's a thing. It's a rite of passage. Um, they, they want to get high. And when you're 18, you go get your bed card, you buy it, you sell it to everybody else. It's everywhere. Any high schooler here in Colorado can get marijuana in five minutes. It's hard to get alcohol here. And it's hard to get um, cigarettes and jewels because they, the age is 21, uh, but it's very easy to get marijuana. It's highly accessible um, and easy to get. And so that's, well, they're all using it as a party drug as in, and it's causing the rates of depression and mental illness, psychosis, bipolar, um, schizophrenia, you name it. We see, we are seeing it all as a result of these potent, potent products in our teens. So what, uh, I, you know, and I appreciate that this is this is something dear to your heart. You've lost, you know, someone so significant. So for parents listening out there and they're like, I don't know, you know, I don't know where to go. I need more information. Um, you know, I, I know that, you know, I do the traditional things. And of course, you know, with an addiction as it progresses, as a family member, you know, how many times you're like, 
you know, getting them out of somewhere, or you're getting them into treatment and you're trying to do your best. It's a, it's a lonely world and it's a tough world for yeah. family members. And there people are trying so hard and there's certain things that parents need to learn too, so that they don't, you know, um, kind of precipitate or move along with the addictions, things that they could do differently that may be out of the anomaly for them as parenting. So where, what kind of places would you point them towards um, well, our first, of course, our website uh, to get educated. We have everything is free, uh, webinars, uh, videos, toolkits, all kinds of graphics and tip sheets, and just educate yourself first. And so johnny'sambassadors.org is our website named after our son, johnny'sambassadors.org. And then um, if you have to, you can hire an interventionist. This is a new field relatively new field um, to get your child into treatment. They will help you find the right treatment, whether it's wilderness therapy, uh, find a therapist uh, in your local area. There's a professional association of interventionists um, who can come in and intervene if you don't know how to get control back uh, in the situation, because many parents don't know what to do next uh, and where to take their child. So sometimes having someone like you, someone who is a consultant in the area who can give them uh, that advice and help them hook up with the right treatments is really critical. Well, this has been, uh, you know, so valuable to people listening. I'm sure there's a lot of parents that unfortunately are going through the same things, or maybe they're seeing their teen uh, starting to kind of, you know, you know, dabble in things um, so that, you know, that strict specific take charge, do what you can and to reach out. So I would say um, thanks so much. Um, this is amazing work that you're, you're doing out there. It's needed um, with the teenagers that I've seen over my career. I did a lot of work with the university here um, where I am locally. And unfortunately, we do see a lot of um, psychotic breaks and also a lot of, um, you know, suicides, uh, that are whether they're related or not, it's it's unfortunate. Our our younger children, teens, sorry, are in trouble, and we really need to figure out how we can support them um, as best as we can. We, like you said, our job's not done, in my opinion, until this prefrontal cortex is developed at age twenty five. You know, and I think you know we think they're eighteen, they're adults, they don't have the skills, they need us. And we got to do, we may not be the, the person that they like very much, but that's okay. You're that's okay. Like, that's still be alive. <laughs> that's your them. number one job as a parent is to keep your kid alive. Right. Of course. So get them the other, over the other side. So Laura, thanks so much. Please do reach out if you're needing um, anything. If you're wanting to consult with me um, about, um, you know, a team, by all means, just go to chat with Roxanne. I'll spend the time, help you as best as I can and get you off to the resources that you need or go to Laura's website. Laura, again, thanks so much and good luck in, in this space. And um, if there's anything I could ever do to help you out, please let me know. Thank you so much, Roxanne. Thanks everyone. Hope to talk to you again soon. Thanks for tuning in to Authentic Living with Roxanne, creating the space for positive, healthy change. Roxanne is a keynote speaker, psychotherapist, and coach. To work with Roxanne, visit roxanderhajcom slash blueprint. We'll see you next time on Authentic Living with Roxanne.